Hello folks, this episode may contain adult themes and swear words, mainly because I can't be asked to edit them out anymore. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to season two of the Top Two Inches Rugby Podcast, episode one. Uh, Ollie is going to be here as ever. Say hello, Ollie. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Not too bad. How was your holiday balloons? Lovely jubbly, lovely jubbly. And more importantly, yep. how's those tan lines? Looking good, mate. Looking good. I'll send some photos, some images later for you, just for a little treat for you there. Fantastic. I look forward to uh, to perusing those. So there is going to be a little bit of a, a shift in how we kind of do things. Um, normally there'd be an introduction, but obviously I'm doing the introduction now. Um, and then Ollie's going to be hanging around for the ending as well. So that's nice for you, mate. Yeah, very much looking forward to it, mate. Very much. Good. Fantastic. Um, so there's quite a bit to chat about. And what, what we're going to kind of look at uh, in this episode, because obviously there has been some pre-season games. We'll touch on those. Uh, we just want to have a look at the uh, incoming kind of rule variations and have a little chat about them. And then we're yep. going to have a little look at the top six teams and our kind of predictions, etc., for the next season. But as ever, let's start with the news brought to you by the BBC. <laughs> and, that, and, and other portals, obviously. And other established media. Other media sources are available. Correct. So we don't get sued by anybody. Um, anyway, mate, I'm going to start. Oh. Some re- Sorry, go on. Crack on, I said. Crack on. Crack right. on. Okay, so I'm going to start with some really sad news. Okay. Some sad news. Um, Emily Scarrett, the legendary um, women's rugby centre, England player, et cetera, et cetera, has broken her leg in the opening um, game of the um, uh, Premier 15s. Um, two minutes into the game, she fractured a leg. One year out from the... Um, Women's World Cup. Um, the BBC are reporting that the surgery has gone well, and obviously she is starting her rehabilitation. Fuck. Well, that's bad news, isn't it? That is proper, proper bad news. Such a cracking player, and obviously such a, a an important element of the English team moving forward. Um, yeah. Well, she estimated to be out for that after the successful up. Then you know. Well, I don't, it doesn't really, it doesn't really say, it just says that the operation went well um, and she's going to start her rehabilitation. But obviously the World Cup takes place in um, October to November, so 2022. So she's got a bit of time, so fingers crossed for her. Most of this season out there with a broken leg, even with a good up. Absolutely, mate. Unfortunately, yeah, that is, that is going to be the case. Um, I think we reported... um, while the Lions was on, that Richard Cockrell could be lined up um, for the England forward job. And Cockers has been confirmed. Head, head coach Eddie Jones says he's going to be walk, uh, working alongside Matt Proudfoot to create a dominant forward pack. Indeed, mate, indeed. And yeah, that was, we, we, uh, we uh, mentioned that as a, a rumour at the time, wasn't it? And that was actually non-BBC rumour there, mate. So there you go. That was from another platform. Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... Uh, I think we briefly discussed it at the time, isn't it? It could be... Uh, 
could be very interesting. interesting. Yeah, he forwards coach, isn't he? So Proudfoot, Proudfoot and him together. Are they joint? Are they or is Proudfoot uh, sort of more scrummage focus? I don't know. I don't actually know what the uh, what the uh, exact roles are, but I know he's been announced as forward coach, isn't he, Cockrell? Yeah, he's announced as forward coach to work alongside current forward coach. So, okay, as long as they get on together and produce a dominant England pack, it's all that matters, isn't it? Really, I guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's um, yeah, that's going to be something to look forward to. Like I said before, there'll be interesting uh, managerial meetings between him and Eddie. Yep. Two strong characters. Yeah, um, that's, well, that's the ones that need to get on, really, isn't it? Because that could be a big clash. Yeah, it could be, it could be a big old clash. Um, other England news, they're going to be uh, holding their training camps uh, in Jersey. That seems to be the new thing since the British and Irish Lions have been over there. Great facilities, etc. Um, and they're going to be holding their sort of training ahead of the Autumn Internationals in Jersey. So that's good. Great. Nice. Very nice for them. Very nice indeed, mate. Nice part of the world. Good good, good for the Jersey economy, I guess. Um, yeah, and show, shows the, um, obviously, Jersey Rugby Club's uh, good setup, isn't it? Good facilities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it seems like a, a good place to be going. Um, Toby Flood, ex-England Leicester and Newcastle fly half, has retired from the game. Yeah, that's literally in the last, wasn't that yesterday announced? Uh, Day before, maybe. But yes, it, yesterday, I think it was. Yeah. 36 years old now, um, had spells at Toulouse, 260 games in the uh, combined for Falcons and Tigers, 60 tests for England, two World Cups and won three Premiership titles. So, um, not a bad end. Done his time, that's for sure. Say that again, sorry? Definitely done his time, mate. Definitely done his time. He served his sentence and is now released into the world. Good for him. Um, do you want to talk about any, did you see any of the, um, not the Tri-Nations, what's it called? What is it called now? Rugby Championship. Uh, yeah, great. I think we went, went over that as a very, uh, great name they've come up with there, the Rugby Championship. But yeah, I think it is the Rugby Championship, isn't it? It is, yeah. I just want to touch on that, um, what's it called? Oh, one of the Bar- Barrett's got, not Bowden, the other one. Geordie? Geordie, he got red carded, didn't he? Did you see that? Nope. Nope. So basically, he's gone up to take a, a kick. Um, and as he's kind of coming down, he's extended his foot into the face of Karevi. Is it Karevi? Yeah, Karevi. Um, and then was um, sent from the field. Didn't so taking, stop taking a high ball and foot in face. Yeah. Down. A little bit like a dog woo did back in last season, I think it was. Got red carded, didn't he? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it. It's so hard. I can't really comment. But it, they're, I think they're always that sort of thing is always tricky, isn't it? Because it's, uh, yeah, you might have a little bit of um, just uh, natural reaction, uh, <laughs> inhibition. It's protecting yourself first and foremost when you're coming down from the air, isn't it? So, uh, um, some things are. Look, look nasty, but not in any way intentional, isn't it? To or yeah, any harm. So, but I guess that was a just under the current rules again. Collision, any contact with the head, and a red card. Is it? Well, by by all accounts, it seems that way. I, I did, I did, I actually saw it. And it. You know, it wasn't the best. To be fair, it did look like he might have been able to get away with it, but 
I don't know. But like I said, it didn't stop New Zealand going on to secure um, the Bledslow Cup. Um, and, and basically, I think they've just beaten Australia for like the last God knows how many times now. I can't remember the last time Australia beat New Zealand. Um, yeah, I, did, I did actually see a couple of um, the try highlights from that game. Some fan, fan, <laughs> fantastic bit of rugby by the looks of it. From the, mm. like, a couple of interception tries as well, I think, out of the few I saw. Yeah, yeah, I think that's been a bit of a pattern as well for the games between Australia and New Zealand. There's been quite a few um, intercepts going on over over the course of the few games. I haven't, yeah. Other than that, I genuinely haven't watched any of the of the rugby championship, mate. No, and to be fair, neither have I. But what I can say is just bringing it back to the Gallagher Premiership. I have watched um, a few of the warm up games. Um, very kind of Harlequins and Leicester Tigers to kind of give it a free for view. So I have watched Quinn's game against Cardiff okay. and I did, and I did watch Leicester's game against Dragons and I've seen some highlights of sales game against Jersey Reds. Uh, and who else did I see? You tell me. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, obviously preseason games, you know, this is the second set of for these guys. Harlequins, you know, was nowhere near their kind of main team. Um, they did what Harlequins do. They were 21 nil down um, and came back and won the game in the pretty much with the last kind of um, action of the game. Uh, Leicester, likewise, took a, a strong command in first half. I think they were 21 nil up. And then obviously teams make changes. Other teams get on top. Um, Dragons came back into it, but eventually the Tigers um, came out on top. Jersey Reds uh, game with Sale was hard to really tell what was going on, but there were some good tries scored. And I'm pretty sure Sale came out on top. So if I got that wrong, I apologise. I can't imagine that Jersey would have beaten Sale. Um, did you see any or not? No, I haven't, mate. I haven't seen any. Uh, we've, been, we've been on a break, mate, like we covered last week very briefly. But... Oh, my God. Can you not... Why not just be sat on the beach watching some ruggers? No, mate. No, far more important things to be doing. Oh, yeah, bronzing. Bronzing and pina coladas. Pina coladas, exactly. Exactly. Well, fair play, mate. Fair play. Um, um, no, I can, out, out of interest. Oh, go on then. Um, I'm assuming Marcus Smith wasn't involved in the Quinns' comeback in their pre-season friendly against Cardiff. Who, who played at 10 for them? Uh, that is a very good question. Oh, there you go. I tested you on the spot there, haven't I? <laughs> yes, you have. Um, and you have completely thrown you, thrown me. Uh, I, I know Thomas Allen came into in on the second half, their new signing. Oh, well, at um, 10. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he came in at 10. <laughs> or I could just be making it up. I don't know. Can't <laughs> remember. Um, Lewis Liner played though. He nice precise off. reviews here, Gareth. I'm liking it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Good start just of the season. <laughs> absolutely stitched me up, haven't you? Um, I can tell you, Joe. I can tell you, Joe Marler didn't play. Okay, yeah. Um, and I can tell you, uh, Marchant didn't play. Um, and Danny Kerr didn't play. I can tell you that much. Okay, so they are fairly uh, uh, weakened. Don Brandt? No, Don Brandt was on comms, which was quite entertaining. Okay. 
so yeah, that, I mean, that's what I mean. It was quite, you know, it wasn't the. I know Lorde, Lorde, the former Exit guy, yeah. who played at number eight. Um, okay. Simmons was in the second row. Do I need to go on? No, I think we've probably done done enough on that way. We probably we probably bored <laughs> bored everybody to death there. Um, okay, so the new rule changes, the variations in the rules. Um, that has kind of been a, a, a bit of a talking point for us. Um, and obviously our in-depth analysis and discussions around this. So I'm going to start with the 50-22. Okay. So how does it work? So if the team is in possession, kicks the ball from inside their own half and it bounces into touch um, inside their opposition 22, they will get the throw in into the, um, into the line out but the ball cannot be passed or carried back um, from the opposition half into their half. And yeah, that is kind of, it, that, that rule's been around in rugby league, if I'm right in saying, for quite a while. Um, and my kind of thought on it is that it's kind of going to, what's it going to do? It's going to make, it's going to be making the defence kind of think twice about how they kind of manage the field of play. You know, it's going to encourage teams to kind of, you know, be more attacking. Um, defensively, guys are going to have to drop back, but then obviously that then creates space in the opening line, you know, the attacking line for the attacking team. Um, and I guess also you could look to have a lot more kind of two, you know, a fair few. I mean, it's going to benefit the likes of people like Danny Kerr and Marcus Smith, isn't it? Just to name a two. Um I think it's going to work quite well. I think it's going to it's going to kind of demonstrate a lot more attacking rugby, um, and I can't really see any real consequences of this law. I think it's going to be quite a good one to introduce. Um, and just saying that there was one incident of it in the in the Tigers game, um, which would have worked quite well for the Tigers, but I think they lost the line out, um, which was a shame. But that seems to be quite a, an encouraging rule change, if you like. Uh, yeah, I agree, mate, actually. I think probably out of all of the new uh, rule changes, I kind of like this one the best. Um, I think with all rule changes, you, you don't really know. I think ba Baxter often says it with the rule changes. They change one thing to try and sort of mitigate or get over one issue, but it has a knock-on effect and potentially causes other issues in other areas in the game, isn't it? But, um, yeah. But it, it'll be interesting to see how how well how they all play out but um yeah this one just trying to think it through and, and the likely scenarios I, I i agree i think i think there's hopefully more positive in this one than potential negative um it like like you say with um from a defensive point of view it will hopefully bring people out of the um the defensive the big defensive um line isn't it because they'll have to drop a couple of players back yeah uh, to cover kicks and stuff more um and attacking wise it, it just it sort of forces them to vary a little little bit so um you know you need some clever kicking there to to actually target that because that is a big attacking plus isn't it if you can get a well god a, yeah if you think about one, it one bank, you know yeah. you know look say for example saracen so you'd have goody at, at fullback and farrell at 10 so there's two great kickers and you know great kickers in the game you know, what's to say El Goody feels a kick from the opposition team, puts an absolute howitzer down, and, it, and it, you know, it goes from his 22 to their 22, 
and then Saracens are on the attack, aren't they? So, yeah. And, and the, other, the other thing it, it, you could see is, is one, one of the... Uh, it's not something to completely take out of the game, I don't think, but one of the things, one of the criticisms of the of the Lions games was the sort of aerial bombardment tactic, wasn't it, employed yeah. by South Africa? I mean, it, it could hopefully reduce teams aiming to do that quite so much because you're actually probably more of an advantage to... Um, to try and kick a bit more, a bit um, tactically, a bit more astutely, yeah, but, but be a bit more clever with your kicking and, and try and get the, those attacking lineouts rather than, uh, um, I guess, um, attacking scrum is the best you get from from the aerial bombardment, isn't it? If the defending defending ball uh, jumper tr- knocks on, isn't it? But um, yeah, and then you just other scenarios. Being an ex scrum half, often you know, a scrum half will 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 make a break. For example, can, can be any player, but scrum halves around the fringes, um, uh, and decide to sometimes as a last option, but to, to sort of put put a, a grubber through or a little chip through into the corner to gain territory rather than being able to pass to anyone that sort of thing. Um, so that'll be a massive bonus to actually on the end of that to to get the line out, isn't it? So uh, yeah rather than that being a, a defensive line-out. But, um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think I think that's quite a positive rule change, really. I think I'm quite looking forward to seeing how that, that, plays, kind out. Of, that plays out in the, in the season to come. Um, so the next one is the goal line dropout. So how it works, if the ball is held up over the try line or there is a knock-on from the attacking player in goal or an attacking kick is grounded by the defenders behind their line, then play restarts with a goal line dropout anywhere along the line. So I guess the kind of aim of that is to kind of, is, is to again, encourage a variety of, of attacking plays close to the goal line. And hopefully, and like we said before with the Lions tool, actually ball in play, um, it, it would hopefully in, in, you know, increase the kind of ball in play time. Cause it would, I guess it would take away the kind of, you know, um, you know, replacing a scrum with a kick, it, it, you know, it's an opportunity for a counter-attack to be created as well. And I think the most important thing is it it kind of reduces the um, amount of pick-and-goes, you know, attacks near the line, which have kind of become, you know, like, like the Chiefs would do. It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact on the Chiefs' pick-and-go game, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that... I guess, sorry, you can't, carry on, mate. You... No, no, no. All, all I was going to say is that, you know... I think the most interesting thing is it's it's from anywhere behind the try line, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's not like, I think in rugby league, they go from um, behind the post, but this is from anywhere on the try line. So you could see someone, you know, with a bit of vision, you know, again, maybe like a George Ford flinging the ball out to the wing, as long as it goes five yards, yep. you know, then that attacks on again, isn't it? Um, yeah, so it's... Is it essentially like a twenty-two meter dropout, but but behind the, the try line, the try line rather than twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. So you you can essentially pass the ball from one side of the pitch to the other behind your try line for someone else to take a quick, like you yeah. say, quick turn it into a a, a, a counter attack opportunity. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the only the only kind of negative thing that I can say it seems a bit unfair on the team who, say, for example, if they're held up over the try line, and the defending team then hoofs it down the pitch fifty meters. Yeah. As long as they've got a good chase, you know, kick chase game and, and put pressure on, all that attacking work is kind of being for nothing because they're 50 metres back up the field. 
yeah, I agree that uh, I mean overall this is a huge, much more in in favour of defensive teams than uh, attacking, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I guess <sighs> it, what's it, what's it trying to achieve? Like you say, trying to get a bit more game uh, ball in play time, less stoppages, less uh, scrums. Um, will it stop someone like, for example, you know, name them again like you did because they're they're renowned to be the best at it, but the, the extra Chiefs, when they get into that um, hill zone, their uh, pick-and-go pick game, um, will it stop that? I mean, if you've got complete confidence in that game, then you're, you you're going you're, you're to be assuming end goal is a try, isn't it? Not a, not a knock-on or a held-up, isn't it? So, um, so, don't know. I probably will with some, in some circumstances, teams more than others. Um but yeah, I'd be interesting again to see how that one plays out. I think the probably the biggest negative, although it's um potentially getting the game a bit more flowing and less stoppages, is is losing the scrums there because there's no no five meter scrum anymore, is there? No, exactly. Um, and that that's a negative when you're talking about rugby union and part of what is rugby union. Uh the scrum is obviously a, a key part of that. Um so the the team if you've got a massive scrum dominance in a game, then that's it's going to be a negative, isn't it? Because you want those five meter scrums, don't you, to keep keep piling on the pressure? But, uh, um, but yeah, uh, again, see see, see how, how it pans out. out. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Um, so the next one is the flying wedge. So how it works is to sanction the three person pre bound mini scrum by redefining the flying wedge, okay? So the aim is to reduce the number of events where the ball carrier and multiple support players are in contact prior to contact and to protect the tackler who can be faced with a combined force of three opposing players. So I guess, again, we've seen quite a lot of that where the guys are latching on before, um, you know, before, well, like like all the teams have been doing, they've been, you know... Um, and I guess the positive thing from this is it's it's a safety aspect, um, like because like I just alluded to, you could end up with like three players against one, and that's like a massive amount of energy and power going through those three players against one guy. Um, and I guess also, you know, in a way, it's kind of designed to reduce the amount of up up the jumper forward forward orientated attacks as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Mate. I think, like you say, this one is probably more predominantly uh, safety orientated, isn't it? Because um, yeah. that, uh, well, ho- hopefully, that the example you say there, if, if you do end up with a, a three-player attacking wedge against one defender, then obviously the chances of that one defender getting injured is uh, massively increased. So if it's a, a one one-on-one or um, or even just one one lap player, isn't it? Um, mm. So. Yeah, I I would say on the face of it, this is another good one, um, and uh, and like you say as well, it, if you take it, sort of taking that tactic um, out of the game, then it 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 makes teams have to think about other um, other ideas in attack, isn't it? Whether that be spreading it spreading it wide or or what, isn't it? So yeah, absolutely, as well. Yeah, no, I agree, totally agree. Um, but then, but then, having said that. It then moves on to another rule variation: is the one pay one player pre-latched. 
So how does that work? It's to recognize the potential for one player to pre-relatch prior to contact, but this player uh, must observe all the requirements uh, for a first arriving player, particularly the need to stay on their feet. So I'm a little bit confused, not in the fact I understand that if you've got a a pre-latch with one player, but then ultimately that still kind of counteracts the reduction of the flying wedge because two players against one player is still more force of two attacking players than one defending player. Um, yeah. And I, I guess I guess what they're trying to look at is it's, it's more of kind of managing that one player latch on rather than kind of getting rid of it altogether. Yeah, I yeah, to- totally agree. I think it's probably what, from, from the two um, rule changes there, is uh, getting away from the injury risk side of it with actually teams purposefully getting groups of threes in attack against uh, less numbers of defenders, more or not often not one, um, but not actually wanting to lose the, um, uh, the, the sort of um, the gain from the attacking team completely. So if you keep that, the, the, um, the second latcher, um, option like they have but obviously well managed then that still gives the attacking team the chance and opportunity to to continue to have first man in support isn't it yeah because um, if you take him away as well then it's um it's almost free for all isn't it um yeah but then i i suppose as well knowing knowing that if you get hold up over the line <laughs> it, it it's gonna it's quite they're quite in, they're quite if you look at it from a holistic kind of point of view they all quite intertwine with one another to a degree. So, like with the pre-latching one player, you're not necessarily going to like, like we said, example, exit the Chiefs banging on the line, because ultimately you could get held up over the line, and then it's yeah. you're 50 meters down the line again. So it's all, it's all quite interesting stuff, and it is going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how it kind of, kind of pans out. Um, and then, sorry, mate, did you want to say any more on that one or? No, 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 no. Okay, so then the clear clean out and the jackal safety. So how it works is to introduce a sanction for clean outs, which target or drop weight onto the lower limb. So obviously, like Jack Willis in that England game with Italy, when he got kind of rolled over and and did all his ACLs and stuff, that's going to kind of be the aim to reduce um, reduce that kind of impact, um, you know, on on the jackal player. Um, but, but I think from my my kind of point of view, I think referees need to be quicker to kind of react. So if they've seen that, say, let's just say, for example, Jack Willis is over the ball and he's over the ball for five seconds, he's won that as a jackaler, then the referee realistically should blow up and not give, you know, the what was the attacking team the chance to come in and hoof him out the way because uh, I think what you can still move them out of the way but rather than rolling at their hips you've got to physically lift and then move them if that makes sense yeah um so I think it you know it's another one that's kind of definitely um definitely a kind of safety aspect um I think it'll be yeah. interesting to see yeah this one can't completely get my head around this one if I'm totally honest. Um, all I can really see coming. I mean, I understand what they're what they're trying to achieve, um, as in, like you say, reducing 
injuries to Jacqueline players and um but really really I think I mean, again <laughs> you don't know till you see how it all plays out but I, I think this one will just it's just going to create more cards isn't it because um yeah the the clear out um player as in the 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 attacking team player trying to clear out the jacker has had their essentially had their target reduced even more now haven't they they can't get to go too low and you're going to be you're going to be pinged and if you go too high you're obviously going to be pinged as well isn't it so um yeah um i can only see more cards coming out of that one but um it's a tough one the breakdowns i think is 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 probably the one that needs the most introduction of rules and and refereeing um because there's so many breakdowns, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it is—it is a difficult one to to get right to make it um, sort of fair and even on both sides, and keeping the keeping the injuries and, in particular, head injuries to a minimum, isn't it? But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that those are the kind of rule changes that are going to be in in for the Gallagher Premiership. But there is this other rule change that is only going to kind of apply in the rugby championship. And and this is what we saw in the New Zealand-Australia game of the weekend is the red card rule. So when a player is sent off, that's the end of the game for them, but they can be replaced by a teammate after 20 minutes. So Geordie Barrett obviously was sent off. Um, is it Damien McKenzie was then brought on 20 minutes later. And I guess the objective obviously is to not ruin the game for one side that have had someone sort of sent off. Um yeah. So, but like I said, that's not being introduced into the Gallagher Premiership. That's only going to be into the kind of championship. But I guess my point was going on kind of last season and the number of red cards that we saw and the number of games that effectively were marred by those kind of incidents. Um, you know, think back to like the Bath game with London Irish. Did they get two red cards in that? Uh, yeah, got from a, memory. I got a feeling they did. So, you know, that would have been effectively 40 minutes without, you know, down to 13 men rather than the rest of the game down to 13 men. So I'm a bit confused why they're not just kind of introducing this into all levels of rugby, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, all, all honesty, I, I don't like this one. So I'm quite pleased they're not. Ooh, go on then. Rationale? <laughs> well, I, I just... A red card is a red card, in my view. If you if you get the whole point of a red card is that's that's the end of that's the end of your game. You're, you, the teams are play a player down for the rest of the duration. That's how it's always been, and in most sports, that's how it is, isn't it? But um, so I I actually think if you're saying every red card you can replace that player after twenty minutes, that's potentially. I'm not saying it would, but it's potentially. Um, making the red card less of an impact so players won't be so concerned about getting a red card or teams won't be so so in you in theory you could be actually increasing the uh, the number of potential incidents and foul play incidents um mm, that's fair i'm not saying that is that would be the case but there's the potential there that's how i would i first sort of read that and also we discussed the red card I actually think it needs be needs to be attacked from the front end um, rather than the back end, as in making it a twenty minute and, and and replacing the play. It's reducing the number of red cards via the rules and the referees is um, personally is what what I think uh, needs to be needs to be sorted. Um, and I think actually as the season went on, the referees. Uh, 
and the players and the, you know the, the team certainly in the Premiership all all started to, to sort of uh, adjust. Um, and well, I think we it'd be interesting to actually know that stat, but I think there was probably less red cards in the back end of the season than there was in the front end. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. But I, I still think. In particular, with the head injuries, just I don't think there should be the, just a straight red card for every um, contact with the head. I, I think there needs to be some some um, referee perspective, essentially, on 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 individual cases. And, and intent is, in my view, is the most important aspect. And it's a hard one to judge, and it does need to come down to the referee's jurisdiction on the day, isn't it, in the game? But um, uh, that's how I think it. It should be um, personally, but then you look at the differing in the refereeing, really the refereeing standards that we've witnessed. Um, you know, the, the high standards that on the whole that you've seen throughout the Premiership season, and then you go to the Southern Hemisphere with the the Lions tour and everything, and and things are policed in such a a, a varied way, really, by the referees, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so. You can't do well. You can't get anything right at the end of the day unless everyone's playing on the same uh, playing field and, and refereeing uh, on a level parity, isn't it? But um, yeah. but definitely, if you're going to put more onus onto the referee to um, to make their own individual assessment of each case, then uh, you've got to have all all referees throughout the globe playing on the same uh, or singing off the same sheet, isn't it? Yeah. No, I I, 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 yeah, I get where you're coming from. Um, yeah, I think, I think, in all fairness, you're probably right. I think, it, I think, you know, we're purists in the fact of red cards, red card, and if your player makes that mistake, and it's down to your team to then pick up the pieces and and sort shit out and carry on and do the best you can. If yeah, exactly, because like, yeah, just know. taking it to the worst extent, you could just say, right, that that number 10 on the other side is the key to that team we need to we need to get him off the pitch okay yeah. number seven on our team you got to get him off the pitch and you're going to get a red card for it but do you know what i mean it's yeah you you go over there and totally end him yeah and um, then in 20, in 20 and... minutes we'll we'll replace you and they'll have their best player off the pitch and essentially no change to us like but so that, i mean that's hugely extreme and hopefully that sort of that sort of mentality isn't in the game oh, um, I don't know mate I'd have had that mentality no no no, no. I was going to say isn't in the game as much as it used to be yeah um, I'd have definitely <laughs> done that yeah but it's, it's generally not there as much no, as it used to no no no, no yeah. away, can they? especially at the top level but um, yeah and, and ultimately clearly I was a bit of a twat so that's fine <laughs> yeah and you got oh, you probably well. got sparked out more than yeah, anyway we're, we're Mate, I never, I, hang on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. I only had one yellow card, no, two yellow cards in my career, if it, even if it was a career, in my playing days. And that was one at Matson for lying over the ball. Uh, I did take a bit of a shoe in because back then you could shoe people. Um, and a uh, high tackle. And he basically sidestepped me and I flung my arm out and caught him on the shoulder. I thought the ref was a bit harsh. Oh, no, that wasn't it. I was back chatting to the referee. That was it. Fair play. Should have had a red. Yeah, probably. Like I said, a bit of a twat. But hey, hey. 
Um, are you are you happy with that kind of what we've done there? Should we wrap things up and, and look ahead to the Gallagher Premiership? Yeah, I think so. The only question we're going to have is um, we had actually one of our uh, listeners um, came in with something, a message uh, a few weeks ago, actually. If you don't mind me bringing that up just for very briefly. it's a, It was a rule change, basically. Are you happy for me? Yeah, mate. Yeah, crack on. Uh, it's uh, anonymous. They've come in as anonymous, but... Um, I think this was, uh, I can't remember if it was after the second or third Lions test that came in, but um, the suggestion was um, that basically it was a a rule change in the game to to counter um, the South African tactic, which was um, the high ball game, basically. Um, um, and, And because you had, they, they, they mentioned you had Anthony Watson, um, uh, Liam Williams, you know, people like that who who are arguably some of the best in the game under the high ball, um, but um, just just couldn't for whatever reason couldn't handle it. There was a lot of knock ons, and but you, that's just that's totally natural, isn't it? Because jump, you know, jumping for the ball to catch is is hard enough skill as it is. But if you've got um, an attacking player jumping at the same time and having any sort of contact with you or whatever, it's uh, it's a tricky, uh, it's a very, very tricky skill. So their suggestion was, um, basically, if the uh, if the attacking team uh, kicks high balls into the uh, defending team's twenty-two meter line, um, knock-ons from the defending team should be scrapped. Right. With, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It just, so just instead of it being a, an attacking tactic because uh you you essentially unless the unless the defending team jumps and manages to catch it your player can either catch it or tap it back or more often than not in what happened in the lions tour we saw was a lot of knock-ons by the defender so watson and, and co knocking the ball on and then it's that african scrum in a very good attacking position isn't it mm-hmm. um to do away with that and you just have play on basically oh well, um, so it was knocked on the first one to jump on to, like a, like an american football fumble yeah Hmm. So um, I thought was that was it, quite an interesting. Yeah, it was just one of the Instagram people that you've kind of brought on board. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like that. To be fair, I think that that'd be quite cool. But I, the only the only thing I would say is if it if it because it would ultimately end up like an American football fumble, wouldn't it? It would be like everybody diving on the ball. You might see a few more injuries that way. But I, I get what the I get what that person's kind of saying. Yeah, um, I, 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 I like that, especially that that would, on a positive way, it, it would get rid of or reduce that that high ball um, tactic. And there'd be in more time way. in play as well, wouldn't there? Because yeah. you wouldn't have to stop to reset, you know, to do the scrum, to then reset a scrum. You know what? The, props only, the, uh, like. the, the, only, the only person, the only counter I would say to it is um, um, I'm not sure you should sort of get away with that option altogether for teams because one one of the beauties of rugby union is that you can have so many different varied forms of attack can't you um yeah in the game um so i, I think it's so difficult with all these rule changes isn't it but i think um you've still got to allow teams to be able to use that as a tactic if that's you know if that suits their uh, their team their squad and, and their way of playing um but um, 
it can't be like we saw. Um, well, what you don't want basically is that to be happening, becoming the, the norm sort of thing. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, it's just not. It's not a. It's so not if, if for example, if for example that high ball's gone up and the attacking team knock it on, is that still play on as well then? I guess so. Yeah, I guess I think that's what they were suggesting—a a knock on. So not just the defending team play on; it would be any kind of knock on from attack or defence. Play on yeah. American football fumble. Yeah, and if, if, if it knocks, if it goes, if it, if it sort of if it's knock on, then it goes to another player, which then knocks it on. Then obviously that would be a knock on, an open play knock on, isn't it? But yeah, your your initial contact um, on under under the high ball in the air is uh, is not classed as a knock on so it'd be quite interesting to see, see that in action and see how, how it played out wouldn't it but, yeah no yeah yeah it sounds like a good idea thank you very much to our to our listener for suggesting yeah, that i like it. it um okay let's um let's move on then let's just look ahead to the gallagher premiership next season and we're going to start at the top so we're going to do the top six teams this week and then finish off on the bottom six teams last week um, going by the the finishing league order of last season, you mean? Yeah, so the finishing yep. league order before playoffs. So Bristol to start, Exeter, Sale, Quinns, Northampton, and Tigers. Sorry, Bath, you're in the bottom half. <laughs> yeah, we're top. We're topping that half. <laughs> you're, you're top at the moment, mate, because you start with a B. So yeah, before any games are played, it's the only time Bath get to be top of the league. We'll be top. We'll be top in our review next week as well, because they ended seventh. So that means they'll be first next season. Next next week, sorry. <sighs> Whatever. They're middle, middle, middle. Anyway, so um, Bristol Bears haven't done much transfer news. Um, obviously, Ben Earl and Max Malians go back to Sarries. Um, there's a few other guys that have kind of lost, they've have left, but those two guys are the kind of main um, guys, along with Siali Pietal. He's just been released into the ether. Um, they've promoted quite a few academy guys. So like Leon Lloyd is now promoted from the academy. Um, Fitz Hardin, he's promoted from the academy. He was quite a decent player last season, but I can only really tell that they've kind of signed four guys. So you've got Theo Strang from the Melbourne Rebels, Joe Cotton from the New South Wales Waratahs, Anton Frisch from Rouen in France. And and Tom Whiteley, who I think is a scrum half from Sarries, I I'm going to give you my opinion on what I think Bristol will do next season. Uh, I think Bristol will struggle to hit top four, if I'm honest. How do you like them apples? Um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your view then? Uh. I, it's a tough one actually. It's a tough one. I think I can see what you're saying, there and I totally understand it. I think Earls, Earls, and Malins were just fantastic for them last season. Yeah. I was just look at that. Um, their last game of the season against uh, Harlequins, the the semi final, wasn't it? I mean, that that yeah. ignoring the second half, but um, the uh, where they just stormed, other than. Uh, Piotr, Charles Piotr, who was just sublime for the the first forty minutes of that game. Um, you know, Els and uh, Malins. I think they got was it three tries between them, and possibly even more. I'm no, pretty sure. Mal- Mal- Malins, Malins got, got a hat trick. Uh, got he got a hat trick. Yeah. Okay. So 
um, but yeah, just just going by that game alone, they they've had a pretty big uh, impact and influence on Bristol's season last year, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so potentially big losses, um, but I, I I I can totally understand. I did think about sort of going the same way with what you're saying, but I'm I'm going to go the other way with Bristol and actually give them the benefit of the doubt and back them again. Uh, the reason I'm saying it is because I think they're they're building something good there. Uh, yeah. That has changed. They they have had progression on the last two three seasons because last season, although they emphatically lost that semi final, that arguably they should have won. But at the end of the day, when you when you Bullshit. we've already we've already done it, you resolve that review that season. No one was beating Harlequins, no. were they? So um, no, um, fine. so you let them off that but um yeah but but they've got to uh um two semi-finals um and very this one in theory probably shouldn't have lost uh so they're they're definitely thing uh and yeah I, mean, I don't know too much about most of their new signings no um, i don't i think earl uh he didn't actually play um that much of the season because he was, I think he was with England a bit, wasn't he? And he was injured early part of the season, wasn't he? But latter part of the season, he had a big impact. But um, I think I think they've probably got cover there. And I don't know what you know some of the new guys coming over from Australia might uh, might be. I don't know if they're uh, cover for him or replacement. Um, and Malin, they, they got plenty of depth in the in the backs anyway. Although Malin is a fantastic player. I mean that you're you're on Lloyd, isn't it? For starters, he's uh, um, he's a guy who uh, is probably quite similar in the, in, the, in the way he plays to Malin, so he's he's sort of a straight replacement. So it'd be good to see him getting some more game time, maybe. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I'm still backing them to be in the mix. Okay. Okay, happy with that, mate. So, are we putting numbers on it? Or? Uh, yeah. Should have got a pen to write this down, really. You got a pen? I've got mine written down. Oh shit! Okay. I can put yours next to it, right? I'm I'm going Bristol to end. This is this is just league position, isn't it? We're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going Bristol to to finish second. Okay, I'm going to go to Bristol to finish fifth. Fifth. Okay, I'm going to put you fifth. Okay. Okay. So on to Exeter Chiefs. Um, outgoings, obviously Thomas Francis, Cuthbert, Corey Baldwin, they've all gone back to the motherland. Um, and a few other guys, James Short's release, Elvis Tyone's gone to Ospreys. They've brought in Josh Iosophia Scott from Waikato. Uh, Sean O'Brien is from Connock, not the flanker. He's an Irish centre. Uh, and Ryan McCauley from the Western Force, but that's only a short-term deal. And Sam Nixon from Bayonne or Bayonne. Um, I think oh, I don't think Exeter really lose many. Um, I, I, I think this this I Sophia Scott or however you say his name is is a decent decent tight head. Um, I don't know enough about Sean O'Brien or the other guys. Um, but Exeter, Exeter, aren't they? I think they had a obviously a disappointing season last 
season losing to the Mighty Quins in the final. Um, but I think they'll be in the top four mixture as ever. Um, yeah, totally agree, mate. Totally agree. I um, Yeah, uh, and if you talk about um, uh, impact on internationals, don't know. I think the um, some of their key sort of England front rowers, bar- barring Cowan Dickey, so your, your uh, Hepburns and Harry Williams have seemed to have fallen a bit out of favour. Um, but that, that that's obviously not a plus for the players, but a plus for the club, isn't it, to have them around more? Um, so, um, yeah. They're going to be pretty strong. They're, not, they're going to lose Slady. They'll probably lose Jack Knoll. Hopefully, Sam Simmons, but the depth they've got, they should be all right, which is why I think they'll be yeah. in the mixer. And I actually said the biggest thing, I'm, I'm back in, I'm, I'm put it out there now, I'm backing them to finish first. Um, okay. Um, I, I think because this season would have hurt them, um, literally falling at the pretty much the final hurdle in both competitions, um, but semi final in the Euros, wasn't it? But, um, was it semi final? No, quarter final, wasn't it? Quarter final. Um, but but it would have it would have hurt them. But they, I think, I think they were just personally. We we've covered it before, but they were um, a bit of a almost a hangover. They were they were just they were just exhausted, uh, yeah, physically, mentally, emotionally, and that's predominantly because of the COVID effect with the the back to back season. They they pretty much only had about a week off. Um, from the finishing, winning everything last the following previous season to, to the start of last season, wasn't it? So, I think that's that's had an impact on the latter end of last season. But they've had as close to a normal off season now. All the players have been away and done what they do, and they're going on holidays and the rest of it. So, I think they're going to come back fully refreshed and revitalised, and that's uh, that's a good thing for Chiefs and probably not such a good thing for the rest of the league. But yeah. So that's my okay. opinion. I'm, I'm backing them for first, mate. You're backing them for first. I'm going to say second. Ooh. Oh, God. I can see where this is going. No, Oliver, you can't. <laughs> okay. So that then moves on to uh, Sale Sharks. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much a whole front row's gone from Sale. Um, Griff John, Cooper Woolley, uh, Morozov. Tommy Taylor, Simon McIntyre, Nick Shonit from Worcester have come in. Um, I just think not. Oh, it's not looking at what's he called? Sanderson. It, you know, it's going to be his second season in charge. Um, he's going to obviously put more of his kind of uh, game plan into Sale, and I think Sale are going to go well this season. Hundred percent, they're going to be in the mixer. Um, the only thing I think is they are obviously not going to have um, uh, what's the uh, clerk isn't going to be around probably till October. Um, I think that one of the uh, one of the second the, one of the twins isn't there. What are they called? Oh Jesus! What are they called? Dupree. Dupree. One of them's not there, oh. is he? I think he's still with the with the box. And uh, Van Rensburg as well. And Van? No, I don't. Yeah, is Yanzi with him? Is he? He, he was with the box, wasn't he, for the Lions? Yeah. So I um, but then obviously they got Manu. And it's, um, yeah. So I think, I think 
if you want me to be honest, Sale are going to be Sale are going to finish top this season. But that's not a fact. That's that's what you're predicting, is that right? Yeah, that's what I'm predicting. Sale okay. Sale top. I thought you knew something I didn't go. If you can predict no, the future. No, no, <laughs> Sale top, mate. I think they're going to go really well. Okay. You? Where do you think they're going to come? Um, I I can very much see that happening. Um, mainly because because of Alex Anderson. Um, that happening, but I've actually, I've actually put them at fifth, mate. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm just typing in. You went first, didn't you? I'm just putting that. In. Yeah. Went, so hang, just, gone... just to recap. So I've gone. Who have I gone first? Sale first. Chief second. Bristol fifth. Haven't I? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um, okay, so you know, my reasoning with Sale, um, first and foremost, yeah, I think they are, there's a few key guys, Springboks, missing essentially until back November, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and then you've got sort of Autumn Internationals. Um, or is that that covers Autumn Internationals in November as well, is it? I think so. Yeah, so they'll stay... Yeah, uh, yeah. So the Springboks are missing for quite a large portion front end of the season. Um, my other big concern, and I think it will actually have a big impact on uh, how high up the league they finish. I can very much see them contesting for top four um, and 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 the league itself. Um, but AJ McGinty is my concern. Because uh, they don't really have a backup for him, so he can't play every game of the season. That's just not not a reality, is it? And uh, the likelihood is there's going to have to be some resting, if not potentially, hopefully not. But there might be an injury in there. But uh, that's the thing: if they lose him, the, the the they could be in trouble. Yeah, the the, the step down from. AJ McGinty to their next best is quite a big step in my opinion um, and you did see that last season actually he was um, he was in pretty immense form most of the season wasn't he and, and a big part of what they were doing um, but when he wasn't around not quite the same team and the other thing I think with Sale um, a lot of these rule changes the game obviously what we saw from Harlequins at the end of last season and then there's some fantastic running rugby, quite open, open game um, with a lot of running rugby, a lot of back play. Um, I don't actually, although they've got some really big names out in their back line, I don't think their strength and depth is as good as other clubs. Yeah. Um, and ball players. Um, so if, if, if the game, you know, a lot of these rule changes are trying to create more ball in play and a bit more open play. Um, uh, I don't think Sale are personnel-wise one of the best in the league for that style of play. Um, you get what get what I'm saying, especially if AJ McGinty's not around. I mean, he's obviously a fantastic um, tactician and ball player, uh, but outside of him, um, I'm just trying to think. But I can't really. I mean, you've got some fantastic players, but creators well, got, like players. the James brothers, Marlon Yard. Um, McQuiggan, 
but there's no like in the centres, for example, you haven't got like a Henry Slade or a uh, Elliot Daly, you know, someone like that to to create and open up um, opportunities for those guys, is it? So um, not as many is all I'm saying. Um, so yeah, overall with all of those, I've just it is just a hunch. I can very much I I won't be disappointed if I'm wrong on it at all because I can I'd like to see them. Uh, improve on last season and, and go well and be competing for top form or the league but um, yeah if I'm putting a number on it now before we even start I'm, I'm going to say fifth for them okay fair enough I can I, I like your rationale um, thank you we'll see see how it pans out I guess yeah um, so mate just to make you aware I've got about 10 minutes okay right um, we've got two so more to do in Harlequins. Who's left oh. Harlequins? Quite a few guys have gone from Harlequins. Um, Martin Landaggio, Campignado, uh, Nathan Earle, uh, Baldwin's gone to Worcester, Mike Brown to Newcastle, obviously. So quite a few sort of, um, what's the word? Household names, should we say? Um, Lewis Lyon has been promoted from the academy. Nick Davis come from Worcester. Hugh Jones, Jack Walker, the former Bath guy, the American footballer guy, Christian Scott Williamson. So I think I don't, you know, I'm last year, Quinns were fantastic. Okay, let's not get this wrong, but I'm very much aware I can't see um, Marcus Smith being around much um, this season. I think he's, he's, he's going to be propelled into the England squad. Um, and I just don't think they're going to repeat top four. Um, unfortunately, I think I think Quinns are going to be sixth in the league. Wow! Wow! I wasn't expecting that. Well, you're not. Well, you know, yeah. I'm. I'm. Re- you know, you keep telling me to take my glasses off. <laughs> um. So I am, or am I? <laughs> Um, well, funnily enough, I've gone six for them as well. Hey, there you go. And we but, haven't even talked but, about it. No, I, 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 I feel, I feel with Quinns, I should never back against them ever again after after the end True. of us. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, you you sort of said a lot of the things in the same way I was thinking. Mate, they're they're in in reality, they're going to lose. Hopefully. Uh, from an England perspective, lose Marcus Smith, potentially Don, potentially Don Brandt. Um, but um, Marcus Smith being the key to um, what they did at the end of last season and, and uh, the way they played, uh, you take him out of that equation and it's a very different um, kettle of fish, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. And taking nothing away from them with the fantastic rugby they played and the fantastic run of form they went on at the in particular the end of last season to win the premiership it's just not a reality or a physical possibility just to keep that going um for another whole season you know what i mean yeah uh, so yeah with absentees because they, they were fortunate last season i think they lost very few players uh, as far as international did they because they're they're sort of international caliber guys weren't being selected, whether that's older guys, care, care etc., who um, um, are just no, no, no longer 
considered. Um, and then, you know, you like Sir Marcus Smith, who um, are yet to be considered or were yet to be considered, isn't it? So they sort of had a, a, a large number of international stand-up players, but available for them all season, wasn't it? So yeah, um, that's a big, big plus for them. But I think obviously it's going to be different next season. Uh, okay. So sum up. I agree. Happy. Sick. Well, we, we agree on one. Happy days. That's good, mate. So moving on very quickly to Saints. Not yep. to rush this, but might have to a little bit. Um, Northampton, I don't know a great deal about Northampton, if I'm honest, which is a bit poor. Owen Franks has gone. Um, Henry Taylor retired. I don't even know who that is. Harry Malland has gone to the Black Rams in Tokyo. Francois Van Wyk has gone to Tigers. They've brought in Tommy Freeman's been promoted from the academy. Carl Wilkins. Um, and I think the uh, oh Cornell Scoson from the Lions in South Africa. And Girono Augustus from the Stormers. So it looks like they're like most teams bringing in some Saffers um, to to kind of bolster the ranks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree, mate. And I, I, I don't. I don't go on, who, what, what you got? What are you going for? What are you going for? Seventh. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um. I've actually put them at 10th. Fucking hell. All right. Yeah, harsh, isn't it? It's harsh. <laughs> start calling you brutal Bob. Well, no, isn't it? It's a really, it's even more competitive this season than it was last season. So, um, it's, it's so difficult. And, and I just think the Saints, inconsistent. And you've got to have consistency to be chipping your way up that league. Um, and I think losing Similarly with Sale and McGinty, um, Dan Bigger is key to them. Uh, and they're going to lose him for a lot of the season, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they were a different side when they lost like Bigger and, and Courtney Laws and um, last season. And I, I can't see that changing, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've gone 10th, mate. I think, I, think, I think they'll probably end up high on that, in all honesty. But you've got to put someone everyone in a slot right now, so I'm putting them 10th, mate. Okay, well, I'm going to go 7th, like I said, so mark that bad boy down. Um, and you'll be happy that we're going to have to rush through Tigers, mate. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you played that well, didn't you? Um, <laughs> so quite quite a few players are gone. Thomas Lavanelli, um, De Bruyne, Zach Henry, Phillips, um, Daryl Marfo, George Worth, just loads. There's like at least 20 going out. Significant people again. We we've kind of looks like we've gone for a bit of the old South African Eli Schneeman, Marco van Staden. He's um he's cutting things up a bit on the old uh, championship for the box at the moment. Um, Sorcino's come in. Bryce Haggerty, the Queensland Reds, come in. Loads of different people promoted from the academy, like Dan Kelly, George Martin, uh, Van Poorfleet, Freddie Stewart, all those kind of boys. Um, Hoshi Samaka has come in from the uh, Yokohama Cannon Eagles. <laughs> I don't know why I put an accent on. That's so fucking racist. Um, yeah, just I, I, mate, I'm I'm putting Tigers at fourth. I think we're top four. Uh, okay, I'm just sorry. I'm just looking to check. Well, oh, and so Freddie far. Burns. Sorry, Freddie. I know you listen. Yeah, I, I, he just—he—he's such a great player. He was fantastic in in the two games I watched in the preseason. It was really good. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, 
and I just noted from the from the preset the speed of ball the Tigers were producing was ridiculous, moving the point of attack and just looked really good. But just coupled with that kind of you know pure Tigers grunt up front and and you know obviously Genji's the captain, love it, best decision Borthers has made. That is fantastic. We're going to go really well. We're going to be top four and in the mix, <laughs> and we're going to win it, mate. Okay, mate. Um. Here we go. How many how many teams are in the league? Thirteen. Oh, let me guess. Tigers at thirteen. No, I'm not. I'm not that harsh. Well, I don't no, know. Northampton at ten was harsh. <laughs> that was. <laughs> but you got to put them somewhere, haven't you? True. You've got to put every, well, you got to put everyone somewhere. Um, I again, like all, all sort of banter aside, with our uh, competitiveness for our two supported clubs, um, ti- obviously Tigers. Um, massively improved last season in particular and are on a what looks like a good journey of improvement so um, I could very much see them doing what you're saying and contesting for top four um, but I, I just I just can't give that to you I'm afraid <laughs> fair enough I've got seventh mate okay but I might actually if I could change what I've done I might actually just switch Puts you to six, just to give you one more place if you're happy with that. We're not yeah. happy with that, but you're up one. It's fucking so ridiculous. That'll put, okay. put, put Quinn down at seventh. Okay, fair enough. I'll um, take that because it's Tigers. Well, I would say, and in all, like all joking aside, actually, I think one of the keys to Genji's obviously going to be away a lot, isn't he? But um, uh, I think George Ford, less if Freddie Burns can. Uh, hit a good run of form and some consistency, then that's obviously a great backup. But uh, George Ford, certainly over the last few seasons, has made such a difference when he's been available to play for Tigers. Um, so if he's not in the England mix anymore, that could be a massive positive to Tigers and their uh, top four potential, I say, I would say. Yeah, no, I'd agree, mate. I think that's that's a fair shout. Listen, mate, I'm going to have to be rude. Um, yep. We're going to have to wrap things up so we will be back next week obviously for episode two check us out on all platforms such as spotify uh anchor apple podcast and youtube you're still doing your stuff on instagram bringing in the fans not so much luck still for me on uh twitter um but yeah we'll be back again next week awesome mate good no to fears. be back and we'll check out the bottom half of the table and um, find out where I put Bath overall over the season. Thirteenth, here we go. Well, well, I will say there's still I haven't picked my third, have I? I did say Tigers was fourth, so Ooh. maybe Bath could be third. Anyway, we'll find out next week. Okay, mate. Thank you very much. No worries. Catch you soon, buddy. See you later. See you next week. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>